This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters where we have a lot of property news and boy what a lot we have. I had to stop after I'd printed out my 90th page, 90th page of real estate news for the week. It's incredible how much is in the media. Now in case you're wondering about saving trees and saving the planet, I'm going to change over to a digital format as uh, as you can hear, rustling all these pieces of paper really sort of uh, makes it a bit of a handful of the studio. I literally read some parts from a page, throw it over my shoulder onto the floor, and then it takes me forever to tidy up the studio at the end of the session. One day I might have to put a photograph on Facebook so you can see what it looks like. Literally looks like one of those movies where somebody's ransacked the place to try to find something. Now what we're finding for you is property-related news and commentary here on Property Matters. Great to have your company here on One or Two People's Radio. So we're going to start off with an article from stuff.co.nz from CoreLogic saying predictions of house price falls could prove unfounded. Now we have covered this for a couple of weeks now on Property Matters, the fact that things aren't really doing what was predicted in the catastrophic predictions of a 10 to 15% drop by a number of the banks and economists. So what's actually happening? The property data firm CoreLogic has released its update for the second quarter of 2020. Now that was deep in COVID and after COVID. And that showed that New Zealand's real estate stock was worth $1.22 trillion and had $284 billion in loans against it. It said the quarter had been distorted for the property market and no clear price trends had yet emerged. But given that property sales volumes only really seem to have normalised towards the end of June, We need to treat price data for April and May with caution. But that said, the general message is that property values have probably held up a bit better than seemed likely during those uncertain times of the Level 4 lockdown. CoreLogic's monthly index showed the average property values up 1.3% between March and June and down 0.2% in June on its own. CoreLogic says that the first signs of a turning point for values may have started to become clearer in Dunedin, where there was an almost 1% fall in June, Wellington half a percent and Auckland a third of a percent, although Tauranga and Christchurch still had small gains. And here in the two, as I have reported previously, we are still going upwards in terms of the property prices, and really it's because there's a shortage of housing. Uh, the banks are being supportive and helping with affordability, and really it's a situation where the rural areas that largely don't provide a tourism industry that are still in a good position indeed. The other thing is what has happened to rental yields in the last year, or at least in this year so far. This article from interest.co.nz says that residential rental yields have remained steady this year, although falling interest rates will make them look more attractive to investors. We've certainly seen this in the local market. We're getting a lot of investors still from outside of the Manawatu 
Wanganui region looking to invest in property where the yields are still good. So this article is on interest.co.nz on the 30th of June. It's well worth a look. And why is it worth a look? It breaks down all of the main centres right down to suburbs to show you what the average, uh, I should say the median yield has been in those towns over the last three years for similar situations. So this indication actually tracks 56 locations uh, and it's actually new, tracks not the median, it's the, it's the lower quartile selling prices uh, which is generally where there's a high level of rental activity and the median rent for three bedroom homes in the same areas and then works out the gross yields. The yields of course being the ease in which you can pay back a loan or a property may pay to a certain extent uh, for itself, of course. So the yields here, uh, let's just give you a few little highlights. If we're looking at um, parts of Auckland, tend to be between about three and a half and four. We have areas like uh, Rotorua, where they're between 6.2 and 6.7, although that will change as the uh, the tourists um, and the uh, tourism economy in that area is is putting um, things under some pressure uh, with rents heading downwards. Palmas North, if you own a Kelvin Grove property, 5.3% yield. Uh, Palmas Central, 44 and Tarko, 5.1%. So we're still amongst the best in the country here. I'll just see if I can find something. Wanganui, incredibly, 6.8% yields. That's still a great place to buy. And although the median house price in Wanganui recently went up by $100,000 over a calendar year, those yields are still high. In fact, they've come down from the mid-7s, and if we go back two years, the mid-8s, which is quite incredible, uh, to 6.8. And that's a downward trend we're seeing. It's likewise in Palmerston North, uh, where they've headed down from the mid fives now down to the low fives and below five. So that's just the natural progression of things in a busy market where rents go up. But it's still interesting to note that there are places that you can get good returns. Invercargill performing uh, probably best in terms of the trade-off between purchase price and amount of rent at 6.6% yield. You can hear me shuffling all the papers. It's a huge report. I would strongly recommend if you're a landlord that you have a look on interest.co at that rental yield report. If you do want more information, you know how you find, how to find your way to me or you can comment on this recording or if it's a podcast, then I can get a copy of this report to you. No trouble at all. So this article by NZN NZ Advisor Online says first home buyers dominate the share of new mortgages. So first home buyers have taken out a larger chunk of new mortgages than property investors in June for the very first time, according to the latest data from the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. The RBNZ's latest data showed that the first home buyers and property investors have been busy climbing the property ladder after COVID-19 lockdown, with the former, that being first home buyers, rising on top. First home buyers have accounted for 20% of new mortgages compared to only 19% for investors. We're still getting multiple offers in many areas in this article because it's uh, Wellington based. They talk about getting multiple offers in Wellington. We're also getting that here in uh, Palmas North and Wanganui as well and in the, in the Manotu Wanganui area, uh, which are pushing uh, prices up considerably. So one thing that uh, Kelvin Davidson, the senior property economist at CoreLogic, said 
that the number of house sales has continued to rise since the lockdown ended a few months ago and figures might change in the next few months. So he's saying the big thing we're wary of is what will happen on the 1st of September when the wage subsidy ends. Even if things do look okay to people now and do look normal, we've got to remember there are risks out there and the end of the year could be looking weaker. So CoreLogic is predicting that uh, the house prices may be down 5%. So therefore the window of buying opportunity may be shorter and shallower than it's been in the past. After the uh, GFC, the global financial crisis, we had a downturn of about 10%. Um, This is not going to be to that level now by the sounds of things. Speaking of levels, here's a a level for you of uh, buying. This article from stuff.co.nz says $1 million, $3 million and $5 million property sales soar. Maybe it was one of you, I don't know. But but real estate agents are receiving a lot more inquiries from overseas, according to the stuff.co.nz article, and some people are even buying homes without seeing them. We've experienced that here also in the Manawa too. More million-dollar homes are changing hands in Auckland than last year, but slightly fewer around the country. New Zealand real estate... Real Estate Institute data shows there were 5,426 properties sold for at least $1 million in the first half of 2020, up 11.7% from 4,858 sold in 2019. Does that mean people have more money? Not necessarily, but house prices have risen, so therefore the proportion selling above a million may have increased. But the million-dollar sales are feeling the COVID shrink in the regions. It says 11 fewer sold than in the first half of 2019, making a 0.08% decrease. Meanwhile, in Auckland, the number of million-dollar-plus properties sold during the first half of 2020 increased 16.9%, the largest annual percentage increase for the region since 2016. And it's sort of like I was saying, all those prices have moved up. In fact, in this article, they say perhaps it's because $1 million is only likely to buy you a letterbox in Remuera. And of the regions... Taranaki had the biggest increase in $1 million sales with 15 sold up from 11 the year before. Nelson had a 22% jump to 33 properties. And in Manawatu, Wanganui, $1 million plus sales were up 18.2%. In fact, 8 out of the 16 regions saw year-on-year increases and 4 had the record highest million dollars plus sales on record, that being Gisborne, Manawatu, Wanganui, Southland and Tasman. And Bindi Norwell, the CEO of the Real Estate Institute, said the shortage of housing stock appears to be a continued influence on the house prices because national demand for property has not faltered. She says the top end of the market seems to have benefited from a flow-on effect, seeing a 30.7% increase in the 3 million-plus category and a 38.5% increase in the 5 million-plus category nationally. Uh, Wellington having the largest increase of properties sold for $3 million or more. I was in Scorching Bay near Wellington just recently sitting there and a property was for sale there Um, and I did a little bit of research behind the scenes because they don't often tell you what a property is likely to sell for these days. They just let you sort of put in a tender or an auction. So I did a little bit of behind the scenes uh, of what this property was worth and yeah, it was probably worth about the four to five million dollar mark. So that's where if, if you want something special, there are still people buying at that level. 
Now this article from stuff.co.nz about housing affordability says the rather bold headline of could the housing affordability could this be the housing affordability solution New Zealand has been looking for. Now this is an opinion piece by Jeff Cooper and of course he mentions initially in his opening line that New Zealand cities are amongst the most expensive in the world and not even a global pandemic will dent that. So falling interest rates, the removal of loan-to-value ratios and the surge in returning Kiwis will collectively boost property prices. If you think affordability concerns will subside in the COVID-19 era, think again. And this was something that we really noticed here in the month or two prior to COVID-19. It was extremely tight housing market, not many places for people to live, and that really fundamentally hasn't changed. So against this backdrop, he says, last week's release of the National Policy Statement on Urban Development, which is a policy package under the Resource Management Act aimed at improving housing choice and affordability in our cities, should be welcome. It's got 11 policies in all, which together are a multi-pronged approach to improve the form and function of New Zealand cities. Policies are quite varied and include greater development in potential city centres, sorry, greater development potential in city centres, metropolitan centres and areas around rapid transport, the eradication of minimum car parking requirements, greater transparency requirements on the cost of planning rules and urban policy that's generally more responsive to the preference of residents. And this is important. If we think here, uh, for example, in Palmerston North, there's an overwhelming demand by residents for two or three bedroom properties, but that by and large is not what is being built. Uh, What's being built are four bedroom homes with double garages and two bathrooms. I generalise, but the point is uh, making some of these policy changes will pave the way for getting more of a match with what we need. So the policies aim to continue the competitiveness of urban land markets and enable residents uh, businesses and workers to locate in areas they want to be rather than where planning departments say they should be. So there's three broad ways that the national um, scheme will encourage more affordable, inclusive and sustainable urban spaces. First, the development will be responsive to rising house prices wherever they occur. So that means a greater area opportunity for people to live in areas with rapid transport and other amenities of value such as in the metropolitan and city centres. The second is that it simplifies the planning rule book, which is a really big thing because, boy, it can be certainly hard um, where they're now saying that if you're within walkable distance to rapid transit, for example, properties can go up to six storeys high, which is higher than than Auckland currently and and, uh, somewhat higher than Christchurch, for example. And uh, so they're really looking at simplifying the rules so that where the properties are needed, uh, the properties can be built. It seems very practical. The third thing is that the it will bring transparency to urban regulation. Uh, the land use rule books are complex. However, uh, it will op- open that up and just really simplifying a lot of these zoning policies so that they can get things done uh, where they need to be done. So we'll just have to see uh, where we go there. Um, so we're going to go to a little bit of music um, and then after that we're going to talk about a large Palmerston North home that's going to be given away. So if you want to hear about that, we'll get into that shortly. But first of all, we're going to play a bit of old school music. We've got Pet Shop Boys with Rent.
And we're back here on Property Matters. That was Pet Shop Boys with Rent. Of course, we're talking properties. If we have time today, we will get a bit to some rental stories. However, it's flying by. So we're just going to go to a couple of local articles here. This one from Palmerston North on stuff.co.nz. Now, a house. Would you like a free house? Why not? A house on College Street in Palmerston North is going free, but it needs land and love, according to the article. In a market where few properties sell without a multi-bidder standoff, a house in Palmerston North is being given away. You just need to have somewhere to place it. It's a six-bedroom house on College Street. It won't cost the takers anything. All they need to do is pay for moving it to a new location. So Ray White real estate agent Stu Fleming said the current owners had plans for the land and hadn't been able to sell the house separately, so decided to give it away rather than demolish it. Good on them. It's a grand old house and they thought it would be a shame to bowl it over, he said. Real Estate Institute of New Zealand Manawatu spokesman Andy Stewart said that he'd only seen a situation like this in Palmer's North a couple of times over his four decades in the industry. It took a particular sect of circumstances for giving a house away to make sense. The College Street house was well known in real estate circles after a substantial dwelling or as a substantial dwelling that needed a lot of work. If it had been smaller or needed less work, it would have been snapped up by now. The house was built in the 50s. The previous owner added a second story in the 80s. The owner ran into financial difficulty when their business went under shortly after starting a complete overhaul of the house and was forced to sell it at a mortgagee sale. The next owner underestimated, uh, or I should say overestimated how much time and money finishing the renovations would take and sat in a state of limbo for five years before the current owners bought it. They put the house up for sale in February and although there were a couple of serious inquiries, no one was willing to pay the cost to move it. So we'll see where that goes. And uh, they say that relocating and finishing the house would likely cost about 400000 although building from scratch would probably be about six hundred and fifty. he says. Here's some good news. This is from the NZ Herald. Papayoia Place and Te Nui win in Western Architecture Awards. So the Papioia Place Social Housing in Palmas North was one of 15 projects that received awards from the 2020 Western Architecture Awards. And this is a peer-reviewed program run by Tikahui Whaihanga New Zealand Institute of Architects. Papioia received an award in the housing multi-unit category. And according to the jury, the project achieves economic and environmental sustainable objectives in tandem with a level of design that elevates it well beyond any other social housing in the region. The awards recognise the best architecture in the NZIA's western branch, which covers Taranaki, Wanganui and Manawatu. So demonstrating the breadth of work undertaken by architects in the Lower North Island, the award winners included several school buildings, a couple of offices, half a dozen residential projects and the newly strengthened icon of New Zealand architecture, Whanganui War Memorial. So good there to see that uh, both uh, Palmas North and Whanganui featuring in that as well as that two projects at Whanganui Collegiate School, both designed by RTA Studio, received awards in the education category. The refurbishment of the H.G. Carver Memorial Library skillfully balances heritage restoration with contemporary functionality in a design that celebrates the library's character and provides a diversity of modern study spaces, the jury said. The Wanganui Collegiate School Administration Building plays a pivotal role in the school's new campus, and they go on to to talk more about that. But uh, good to see that there's excellent architectural work being done in our region. 
In other news, uh, if you've been down to the square in Palmerston North, you'll notice that the uh, the roadworks there are now beginning to return a bit to normal. So there's new traffic rules around Palmerston North Square are kicking in when the roadworks between Plaza on Church Street and the Main Street roundabout come to an end. Uh, the road has reopened, I think, uh, or at least it's very close. I went past it yesterday, and um, so the, therefore the the one-way nature of the street initially will make it very obvious that it's now a place uh, well done for pedestrians. It's looking really good down there now. I can't wait till they do the finishing work. I think it's going to look amazing. In other news, not quite housing related, but it is in that it's amenities in this area. Uh, this from Staff Cyclist Petition Council to finish the Riverside Pathway. The cyclists are demanding action to complete the missing link of a shared pathway along the Manawatu River between Palmas North and Ashurst. More than 500 people have signed Ashurst resident Joe Atchison's petition asking the City Council to make good on its promises to complete the pathway. The 3.2-kilometre Ashurst bridge to Ruakawa Road section of the pathway was built in 2003 with plans to continue the Riverside Drive within a couple of years. That was 2013, not 2003. But it hasn't happened. And so the City Council Chief Infrastructure Officer, Tom Williams, has said the council was as frustrated about the delays as the residents were. And so the hold-up was caused by the failure to reach agreement with four landowners over access to the river. And uh, they included Higgins Family Holdings, which is not Higgins Contractors, Organic Farming Company and two private owners. There was a contract with one waiting to be signed, but negotiations had still not started. So really it will be fantastic to have that done. I was thinking the other day, I was in Wellington, and I saw a lot of people going around on electric bikes and electric scooters. And that would be so cool to just go, you know, because I'm too lazy to actually um, use too much pedal power myself. It would be wonderful to have that go right all the way to Ashurst. It would be something that would be really neat, and uh, hopefully they can uh, get onto that. Finally, what are the things that put buyers off? The top turnoffs for property buyers, this article on stuff.co.nz. Uh, they surveyed 2,192 New Zealanders about features that would turn them off when buying a property. Just over half said asbestos would be an issue, followed by an above-average neighbourhood crime rate by 49% of respondents. Smells from pets, cigarettes or dampness were the third most common turnoff. One in three said they wouldn't buy a house with bad neighbours and a noisy bar nearby would be a deal breaker for 34%. Kevin McHugh, Finders Publisher in New Zealand, said these characteristics could take thousands of dollars off the value of a house. So if you're planning to sell your property, make sure you assess it from a buyer's perspective first. Things like bad smells, asbestos or a lack of natural lighting are unattractive to potential buyers but they can usually be rectified before going to market. He says it's often a case of a little bit of pain for long-term gain. Forking out to fix the issue beforehand can significantly increase the value of your home. A lack of parking was an issue for a third of people. And other people's concerns about a property could provide opportunities for buyers. For example, common issues like living on a main road or near a noisy venue can reduce the price of the property, but you think if you think outside the square you might be able to nab a bargain. For instance, installing high fencing can help to soundproof homes on a main road and a rented garage can supplement a lack of parking. Yet, he does say that sometimes there's only so much you can do to improve a property. If you can't think of a realistic way to fix an issue, then it's best just to keep looking. 
Pindy Norwell, the Real Estate Institute Chief Executive, said what attracted a buyer to a property could be subjective depending on the person's stage of life and personal circumstances. Some would have issues, for example, living near to a cemetery for religious reasons, and for others, that's not even an issue. But issues that can potentially impact health and safety, such as asbestos, are high on people's list. But we're surprised that plaster-slash-leaky buildings didn't make the list, as for some people, particularly in Auckland and Wellington markets, this, in some instances, can be an issue. Our advice to people is to work with a licensed real estate agent when considering selling their property, as they'll be able to provide feedback on the house and both on both the positives and some things that need work, such as replacing the carpet due to smells. She also said being a mo- near a motorway would be an advantage for many people in bigger cities. And more and more we're hearing that for those who have chosen to move further afield post-lockdown, having a rural property close to a major road or motorway can be an absolute must. But there are some things that can't be fixed, such as being located in an industrial area or on a flight path. In that case, double glazing can help reduce noise pollution pollution and that could make a difference between your home and the property nearby so just very briefly the list asbestos 55% will never problem average crime rate uh, above average 49% bad smells 39 bad neighbours 37 noisy pub or bar 34 and no parking 33 so that's all we've got time for today this has been Greg Watson you're here on Property Matters it's been wonderful having you and we look forward to chatting again next week If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.